Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the psalm. But before that, I'd like to highlight a few church concerns. You would turn to the website to the events and then look at the things that are happening in our church. You, I want to highlight, first of all, Migrant Me. This is a very important cause because it tells us about the people, the migrant workers who are all around us, yet so hidden. We want to want to know is to understand how they feel, the pain they go through, the experiences, what they like, the, the things they enjoy, and also how then do we engage such a hidden and yet large group of people all around us. Many live in our homes. Many live just downstairs while cleaning our floors, cleaning our corridors, doing construction work around us. At our church, at our place, they exist everywhere. And we don't want them to be hidden from us or to be forgotten by us. So come for this course. It's following Sunday on the 29th. Oh, sorry, it's on uh, 20, 29th of May. Uh, right after church from 2 to 4.30, do go to the website under events and sign up. The other thing that I want to highlight for now is Aldersgate Week. Starting this Saturday, there will be a talk at Amokyo Methodist Church by our Bishop Gordon Wong. And, um, well, it's you have to sign up for it. It's at Amokyo Methodist Church. And it will be from 5 to 6.30. And then on Sunday, our bishop will be uh, giving a recorded sermon. Unfortunately, we will not play that sermon at our service. Rather, we will have another speaker. We'll talk about another aspect of loving our neighbours. But bishop's sermon will be made available on our website. So go to the website on Sunday after service, before service, I think, and listen to it. And then from Monday and Tuesday, we'll have lectures by TTC lecturer, Dr. Andrew Pei. He's a church historian, and uh, he will give two talks on Monday and Tuesday from 8 to 9.30. So you do have to register for that. So do take note of these few events and participate. And so now, back to our study, our devotions on the Psalms. We have been doing Psalm 86 for the last two sessions since last Tuesday. And it's about a prayer of David who was in trouble. Let me recap a little about the first two sessions. On Tuesday last week, we talked about the kind of people, the kind of attitude that we should have as we pray. The first is to acknowledge that we are poor and needy, that we have run out of resources, that even the best resources that we have, whether it's money or power or training or education, all of it falls short because so often in life we don't have the answers. So the psalmist turns to God and says, I am poor and needy, recognizing that he needs God. Second thing, quality that God well wants from, from us is a sense of trust, faithful trust, that we don't move from one God to another, one solution to another, but we just learn to hold God's hand and walk by faith, not by sight. And the third then is persistence, that there is no limit to the number of times you pray to God. In fact, the more you need something, the more frequently you pray, 
to pray until you sense, feel a sense of peace, and then let it go or continue to pray. Because when we are persistent, it only shows how much, shows to ourselves more than to God, how much we really want God to help us. But that has bearing because it reflects also our trust in God's nature, and we did that on Thursday. God, first of all, is giving and good. God does not hold our sin against us and then refuse to help us. The only condition is that we call to God. Anyone who calls to God, regardless of how sinful you are, God hears your prayers. God answers our prayers. God is not just a helpless God who looks around helplessly, but he is also a fearsome God. He is not safe, but he is good. God will come to our rescue. And God's love is great. And so we have that confidence to come to God. Now today we want to talk about arrogance of our enemies. I'd like us then to listen to Psalm 86 from verse 14 to 17. Let us pray. Father, teach us to come to you all the time, confidently, knowing that you are a good and gracious and loving God and that you call us, invite us to come to you. So Lord, we pray now that as we read this last part of Psalm 86, that you open our minds and our hearts to receive. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 14. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The two big things that confront us in the world are arrogance and ruthlessness. Arrogance is about the power play, the power dynamics. An arrogant person is one who believes that he's more powerful than another. And what the psalmist says then in verse 14, that arrogant foes are attacking me, is that the people who attack him know that they are far more powerful. They're bigger, they have more resources, they're richer, they're in positions of power. And one of the things about this world is that we honour power. We fear power, we recognise power. It's everywhere, even in the church, even in our homes, every smallest thing. We think about the power dynamic. The one who is bigger bullies the one who is smaller. The one who has more resources bullies the one who has fewer resources. The one who has greater bargaining power, whether it is in time, in circumstance, then takes advantage of the one with less bargaining power. We see that, of course, in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Russia is, has far more people, far more weapons, powerful. And to them, then, they feel it's enti their entitlement to attack Ukraine. A power dynamic. But we see this also in our daily lives. At one time, when the third world countries were doing badly, Philippines and Indonesia, 
We felt that we had great bargaining power and therefore we could get cheap help. We could get maids um, at bargain prices, we could ill-treat them and they had nowhere to go because they needed the money or their staff. We go to a, foreign, a poorer country and then we have the bargaining power. We press the prices down. I mean, it's almost like a national habit when you go to buy something and we say, no, we want something cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and squeeze them until we know that they cannot be squeezed anymore. Why? Because we have power, we have bargaining power. But in the dynamics at home, when we deal with our children, we have the power of a parent. We can cane them, we can punish them, we can um, discipline them in various ways. But we realize too that our children have power against us too. They can refuse to study, they can throw tantrums. Once again, there is a power dynamic. Even at work, we see power used in various ways to get the better of another person. And power is often recognized and admired. Why is it that a CEO of a company gets paid, get, gets a car at company expense, a luxury car at company expense, gets his parking space right outside his door, while the lowest worker may have to take three, change three buses and doesn't get reimbursed for his bus fare, and may have to walk a long distance from the bus stop to his workplace, and no one bothers. That's because the CEO has a lot more power, and we recognize that power. I wonder if that could change in God's eyes. That the power, the ones with more power, should be treated with less honor, less privilege, less care and compassion than the one with less power. I wonder what it would look like if that dynamic changed. I know it's a very hard one because the PIC is still treated like king and the, and the cleaner is treated like nothing. I wonder if that could change in church, if that could change in the workplace, in our minds especially. But the second thing that troubles the world that is godless is ruthlessness. The psalmist says, ruthless people are trying to kill me. Not only do these people have power, but they have little conscience. They have little conscience to think of the suffering of the powerless, and they will go ahead and use the power to the maximum, to the greatest of their what's worth, and squeeze every last drop of blood from the powerless. Arrogant and ruthless. And they have no regard for God, because they think that all that matters is the power and the ability to squeeze every advantage from the powerless and don't care what God thinks. This is the world we live in. If you were to open your eyes to see every dynamic that takes place in our lives, you'll notice these two trends, arrogance and ruthlessness. And if we were to open the eyes of our hearts to look at ourselves and the way we think what's been ingrained in us, we will also see arrogance and ruthlessness. That often we take that power and we, and we overpower someone else and we think that's the most natural, that's the most sensible thing to do. And we are ruthless about it too. If I can squeeze something out of a contractor, out of a seller, out of a buyer, 
out of a servant, out of someone who's lower than me, why shouldn't I squeeze everything I can from them? This worldly trend exists in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And it is having no regard for God. Let's think soberly about that. There is much that I need to change in my thinking, in my life. And I wonder if it is the same with you as well. But if we will allow God's word to, God's spirit to work in us and to change the way we look at life, the way we look at people, the way we look at the way God honors the powerless and brings low the mighty and the arrogant, and perhaps our lives will change for the better. But now then, this back to this David who cries out to God. And he says in verse 15, But you, God, but you, God is different. God is not arrogant and God is not ruthless. God is powerful, but he doesn't use his power to take advantage of people. Rather, he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's the nature of God. That's the way God is. He does not take advantage of people. Rather, he is compassionate. He is slow to anger, to bounce in love. He looks at all of us very differently. He doesn't look at us as in who has more power, who has more riches, who is has greater advantage over others. Rather, he loves his people. And he calls us to hold the same principles. But you know, in our prayers then, we realize that God does not look at who is to be honored more, but simply who needs to be loved. When God, when we realize then that God looks at us, not about what we have, but about us who need his love, us who need his help. That is the confidence that we have. We don't come to God and say, God, actually, I have more advantages. God, I have more money. God, I have more weapons. God, I have more status. God doesn't care. God cares when he looks at us and we say, God, I have nothing. I'm poor and needy, but I need you to love me. I need you to come and help me. When we begin to see people and see God in that light, we gain confidence in God. Someone was recently commenting that I had turned from an introvert, I'm an extreme introvert, to a functional extrovert. And I asked how I coped with that. Well, it began with a death that I experienced myself. How when I sought to live in the world where power was more was an advantage, brought me to pieces because I found that many people, people who criticized me were more powerful, people who did not like me were more powerful. Whenever I thought I was more powerful, I discovered then that there were others who were more powerful than me. When I lived in this power dynamic, I realized that life was very, very miserable. And then I began to die to that began to realize that life is not about taking advantage of another. Life is not about making impressions to another. Life is not about looking better than someone else. 
And I began then to look at people differently, to look at people who needed help, not at whether they were more powerful than me or less powerful than me, but to look at people as whether they need love and how I could love the people around me. And so I went go to a company now, I mean, go to a group of people now, instead of trying to be accepted or trying to gain dominance or trying to be better than others, I look around and I ask myself, who needs to be loved? Can I then focus on the ones who need to be comforted, to be loved, to be celebrated with? And in losing myself, I discovered that I found myself a lot more. Because I realized then that I didn't have to live in this world of power dynamics. I could live in the world where God has compassion, God's love is abounding. We could live the same way, thinking for the other person, thinking of how not to overpower that person, but to love that person and to lift the other person up. When we think of God as God who is one who loves us deeply, our lives change. And so the psalmist then ends up in verse 17 by praying, Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. When our enemies see that we don't march to the same beat as they, that we are not concerned about the power dynamics, but rather that we have a God, we believe in a God who will show signs and signs again and again that we are his beloved. Then they're not put to shame because they discover that they're less powerful, because the power dynamics will continue, but they're put to shame when they realize that this struggle for power is a futile thing and that they have been chasing the wind. What is most important is to trust in a Father who loves us. Trust in a Father who has our best interests in his heart. And God will show signs of that. That the most powerless, the ones who have no bargaining power at all, can just run to God and find solace in him. And God will show signs that these are the ones who will be protected by him. And so how do we pray? We pray humbly. We pray confidently. We pray expectantly. Deep in our hearts, we know that we have a father who dotes on us. A father who doesn't care how powerful you are, how sinful you are, how good you are. But simply because you are and he cares for you. So whatever your cares, you know each day we face power dynamics. From the start of the day, there will be quarrels, there will be conflict, there will be people trying to overpower you everywhere, at home with our spouses, with our children, with our siblings, our parents, on the road, with the, in the bus, in the car, at our workplace. You will see this power dynamic being shown. And it is troubling. Because often those who are more powerful will be more, more ruthless as well. But if we were then to cast every care on God, con- have a continuing conversation with our loving Father, telling our Father, God, I'm scared because this person is trying to bully me. God, I'm disturbed because this person is, is asserting power and pulling rank on me. God, help me because I'm poor and needy. And there we see God present in our lives will show signs that this power dynamic 
is really futile when God is with us. Let us pray. Father, do a radical transformation in our minds. Cause us to die when it comes to the power dynamic of wanting to be more powerful than the other, striving to see if we can find an advantage against another. Help us instead, Lord, to cast ourselves upon you and to rest in you. To acknowledge that we are poor and needy, Lord, and to to know that you are the compassionate God who loves and loves, slow to anger but abounding in steadfast love. Father, in every circumstance, in every power struggle, we may cling on to you and say, God, show me a sign, show others a sign that you are my salvation. Teach us then to pray and to trust in you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you have a really good week ahead. Come back on Thursday. Pastor Jason will be giving the devotions then. And I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, really. I know that some of you still would prefer to stay home. And yes, I very much welcome that you join us online. But do come also and try to see if you can join us physically too, because the dynamics are different too get to know each other, you get to know other church members. Remember, starting first Sunday of in June, we are going to use the room on level one, the one that says family at Agape, and then we will open it up initially for tea, for conversations. And if there is better response, we may even bring food in, um, sit around, talk, get to know each other. Someone was sharing with me the other day that the more things we do together, the deeper our sharing a deep of affection for each other. And so come and participate in this uh, and many other things that we will be organizing. Well, God bless you and goodbye. <laughs>